And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we are packed to the gunnels today. Casey, as they say, uh, we're going to open the show with David Patterson. Uh, he is the GM and winemaker at Tantalus Vineyards. Uh, what are we going to talk about with him, Casey? I think it's well, a he's, cool subject. He's coming courtesy of Valley First, and we're going to talk with him about climate change. Okay, and then we're going to move on to the Similkamine Valley where Mike Clark joins us. Uh, we're going to have a chat about organics. Uh, I want to ask Michael how we know who's organic and who's certified, and we'll go through some of those things. Uh, then uh, to a new winery, Friend Estate. Eric von Krosick joins us. Many of you might know Eric from his days at Summerhill. Casey, he's going to talk about bubbles. Funky domes at Friend Winery. I can't wait to go after hearing about them so you can drink bubbles in a bubble. There you go. With and your we'll bubble. we'll wrap up the show at Vessel Liquor. We'll wrap up the show at Vessel Liquors with Ross Borland in Victoria, and we're going to talk about how he lays out his liquor store. All that and more coming up next on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Join the Black Hills Estate Winery Wine Club to experience the perks of membership. With front-of-the-line access to new releases, exclusive limited production wines, and VIP experiences both virtual and in-person, you will always stay connected. Plus, wine club members have access to the Vineyard Guest House overlooking the beautiful valley. To find out more, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, or visit us at blackhillswinery.com. Red Rooster Winery invites you on a sensory journey from grape to glass. Savor the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, they're featuring their award-winning and estate-grown Reserve Malbec, the perfect bold red to complement any occasion. Seated tastings are offered Thursday through Monday from 11 till 5 this winter. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. Location, location, location. If you've made up your mind to finally take that big step and move to the beautiful Okanagan, keep in mind that you don't have to do it alone. The right real estate agent can make all the difference. Let Sean Everest of Remax Kelowna be your trusted advisor as you embark on this exciting new chapter. I'm Sean Everest. I raised my family here and you can too. Visit seaneverest.com and let me help you on your move. And welcome to the Okanagan. I'm sure you're going to love it. And now, a BC Food and Wine Radio Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented with the generous support of the agribusiness financial specialists at Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. 
Our guest today is David Patterson. Uh, David is the general manager and winemaker, uh, a rare combination actually in the wine business, at Tantalus Vineyards in Kelowna. David, uh, it's a real delight to talk to you today. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well. How's it going? Uh, oh, it's going fine with me. I think, uh, well, you have everything in the tank, so you have t- do you have time to contemplate now and maybe think about the future? Or like, what do you do at this time of the year? Well, right, right at this time of year, uh, we're in the middle of bottling. Um, so bottling the 2019 uh, reds and all the 2020 sort of spring whites and rosés and things like that. Um, but once that's done, then I'll get a bit more skiing done and uh, finish up the pruning and then sort of wait on the next season. I was very surprised yeah. to hear that you were born in Vancouver, but you were raised in New Zealand. Correct, yeah. Wow, how did that but happen? My, uh, uh, my my father was doing his postdoctoral fellowship at UBC in the forestry um, sector and pulp and paper, and uh, I happened to come along while my parents were living in Vancouver. So through uh, through that, I uh, have Canadian citizenship through birthright, which uh, which worked out quite well for me. Since I decided to move to Canada. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you went to school at Lincoln, uh, quite a famous cool climate school, actually, which probably uh, uh, gave you a nice leg up. But you, you've had many travels, David, and I, I, I don't know if our listeners, how well they would know Archery Summon or Domaine Dublé or even uh, the great Henschke Cellars, but you had great mentors there. What, what do mentors mean to young wine uh, people at that stage, and how, how, how did they affect your life? Well, I think when when you look at uh, how how a winemaker becomes a winemaker or the path to becoming you know a full fledged you know chief winemaker, um, it's similar to how how chefing works as well. You know, you go to wine school or, or to um, cooking school, and then that really just gives you the right to come out into the industry and, and really learn how to do the job. So. Once you've got your degree, then uh, you, you're not going to step into a head winemaking job straight out of university because you need all the practical skill um, that can really only be learnt on the job. So then I think it's really important for young winemakers to seek out uh, similar ethos in their, in their uh, mentors and uh, try, try and find styles that they already like and that they may want to emulate in the future in their winemaking careers and then uh, le- try and learn off those people um, through. Uh, originally, it was you know travelling around doing harvests, which in reality is is only a small part of the of the whole job. Um, it's the really crazy busy part sometimes, but uh, and certainly yeah. where key decisions are made. But uh, at, at some stage, you then need to take a, a full time seller job or system winemaker job so you can see the whole cycle right from you know picking decisions all the way through to bottle how about where you end up at a place i hear you actually you had a bottle you drank a bottle of tantalus before you worked there and you made a decision about the property or was, is that a myth uh, it's, it's somewhat true i mean um, i i opened the liberty wine merchants on Robson with the, with the opening team there, and uh, we had the 2007 Tantalus Riesling in the fridge, and so um, you know that was only uh, Tantalus started in 2005, so it was only a couple of vintages in at that stage, and I really enjoyed that style of Riesling, um, and then 
I was going down to work harvest at Neudorf Cellars, which is one of uh, New Zealand's top Chardonnay, Pinot and Riesling houses in Nelson. And uh, the winemaker at the time at Tantalus, Matt Holmes, uh, was also going down to do harvest at the same place. So it was kind of huh. worked out that way. So I, uh, I met Matt at Neudorf. Um, and then I you know, fast forward a couple of years and a few more vintages and some living out of suitcases um, around the world. Uh, I decided to move back to Canada uh, with my fiance at the time and now wife Stephanie, and uh, so I rang Matt um, just to see if he needed some help over harvest because I was basically going to be landing around the July sort of time, and, and harvest usually starts in that late August, early September. So I was looking for a spot um, in the valley, and uh, Matt basically said he he was moving back to Australia at that stage. Um, and, and was leaving Tantalus, so maybe I should go for his job. So um, basically, through through knowing Matt, um, I ended up landing here in 2009. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really well. Uh, of course, you work for Eric Savix, uh, the Savix family, the owners. What's that like being in a family business? Is that a different mix than, than a corporate business, or how, how, how does that work out for you? Well, I think, I mean, it is different to, to being in a, true corporate structure um i'm very lucky to to work for the savix family the you know they, they don't uh meddle in the day-to-day operations of the winery they, they leave that to me and my team which is uh, a luxury that is not afforded by a lot of winemakers um often ownership will uh will ha- you know have a lot of opinion and and, and jump on in sometimes <laughs> maybe to the detriment yep. of, their, of their company um but we're we are, as the team at Tantalus and myself, uh, obviously, as the head of that team, uh, are very lucky to work for a family that, that uh, has decided to put this team in place and trust that we're going to uh, make the right decisions. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, when it comes to big, uh, big financial decisions, it, it's a sit down with Eric and, and you know make sure that we're all on the right page. But uh, overall, having that. Uh, that vision from the top of, of trying to create a world-class uh, uh, internationally recognized uh, wine brand. Um, and, uh, you know, that being the mandate is, uh, is an easy one to execute if you're given for free reign, which is, uh, which, which we are, which is great. David, how long have you been yeah. at Tantalus? Uh, so I took over as uh, production winemaker in 2009 uh, for, for that vintage. At that stage, uh, Jacqueline Kemp, who is now at Therapy, uh, was the consultant. Um, so she sort of helped me with that first vintage as I, as I got my legs under me. And then uh, they hired me as the full-time winemaker right after that vintage. Um, so, yeah, I've, got, I've done 12 vintages for Tantalus. So suddenly going from the youngest winemaker in the Valley to the one of the longest tenured winemakers in the Valley. And what about climate change? Like, have you seen, th- since '09? have you seen changes in climate in the Cologne area? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, that's such a small window, but, but when, when I look at it, you know, there, there's been fluctuations in what we would call hot or cold vintages. Um, you know, when you look at growing degree days, although growing degree days is not, a particularly great or accurate scale to, to measure a growing region by. Um, I think what we're seeing, uh, which could be attributed to climate change, is 
these cold snaps in February that we never used to see, um, and then these warm spikes in August, which, uh, you know, those two extremes are getting a little more severe, it seems, um, certainly since the 2018 winter where we got minus 26 and, and a lot of damage and trunk, uh, trunks cracking and things like that, which we hadn't really seen, well, I hadn't seen before that vintage, so we'd sort of had eight or nine years of, of fairly easy or mild winters where we might have ice wine temperatures but, but wouldn't really go much below that minus 12 to minus 15 range. Um, but the last three winters we've hit minus 20 or below that, which uh, yeah. isn't great for the vines. The vines don't really like it when it gets that cold. We talk about about minus 23 is where you get about 50% primary bud uh, death uh, oh, and therefore damage, less yeah. crop. So we, uh, my viticulturist actually... Uh, today was dissecting buds, and it looks like we've had about 10% damage, which is kind of normal. doesn't really matter whether it's winter or not. There are just some buds that are not going to form up and fire. Mm. So fingers crossed we've dodged that bullet for this year and won't see too much winter effect compared to the last two Our years. guest is David Patterson. He's the GM and winemaker at uh, Tanless Vineyard. Uh, David, you operate a single vineyard. Uh, what do you make of what's going on with organics and sustainability now? I know we don't have a lot of time, but what, what is sort of the ongoing vision at Tantalus and your look at, at operating that very famous vineyard? Yeah, so we've, uh, we've been part of the uh, Sustainable Wine Growing BC program since its inception, um, which is about to be able to be certified. So hopefully the wines in the fall um, this year uh, so the 2020 fall bottling we will be able to put that certification on our label um, and it, it, that program's been quickly recognized as as one of the the leaders in the world of uh, sustainability um, I really like the program because it doesn't just look at the vineyard it also looks at you know, your human resource sustainability, your, you know, where does your glass come from, what happens to your cardboard afterwards, like really encompasses the entire business rather than just the vineyard. But as far as operating the vineyard, um, my viticulturist, uh, Felix Ego, is uh, implementing all sorts of uh, new and wonderful regenerative uh, techniques with, uh, with zero tillage uh, soil management and cover crops and we, we don't use any herbicide or any uh, non-organic uh, uh, fungicide. Um, right. We are not certified organic, but we are going to go more along the sustainable path and trying to certify as organic. Just before we let you go, can you tell us when the winery is open to visitors and if we need reservations? Uh, you do require reservations now. Um, we, we're going to stay with that whether... COVID disappears or not um, seems to be just a nicer experience for for the guests. They get a little bit longer with the wines and with uh, my staff and get the message and the story a little bit more, um, which translates into uh, people buying more wine and us seeing less people, which uh, we, we actually think is a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so we, we're going to uh, stay as a reservation-only uh, system no matter what. And uh, we're going to open April 1st and be open until October 31st. That's going to be our season this year. That's great. Uh, plenty more information at tantalist.ca. David, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, fun to hear a bit about your background and story at Tantalist. And uh, we'll stay in touch as the new year breaks and uh, another uh, 
another growing season begins. It's not that far away. Yeah, it's always exciting this time of year. I can't wait. Thank you to uh, David Patterson. He's the GM and winemaker at Tantalus Vineyards in Kelowna. You're listening to uh, the BC Food and Wine uh, Radio Show. A shout-out today to our listener base all across British Columbia from BNN Bloomberg 1410 in Vancouver and to the mighty CFAX in Victoria and the South Island. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Join us next time for another Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented with the generous support of the Agribusiness Financial Specialists at Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. Watermark Beach Resort in Asoyuz is taking some time to refresh and renew for the upcoming season. Renovations are underway at the restaurant, but takeout is still available seven days a week. Book now for spring and summer travel to avoid disappointment and discover the South Okanagan good life at the Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Tony and Barb Holler, owners of Poplar Grove Winery on farming in the Okanagan. The thing we've probably learned most is that the weather is never the same from year to year. And you have to adjust your farming practice according to the weather God gives you. It's just the way it is. Patience to wait for your grapes to mature and nothing is on a schedule. If your grapes need to develop their tannins and their sugars, you have to have the courage to wait. Enjoy the results. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're going to speak with Mike Clark next. He's the winemaker managing director up at Clos de Soleil in the Similkameen Valley. We're going to talk about organics today. Uh, Mike, how are you? Very good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. Uh, probably slightly warmer than you are in the Smilkameen, but uh, it's that time of the year. Crisp and it, fresh, it, and uh, I hope you're avoiding the super cold weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's chilly here, but it, it's not too bad. Uh, we're still doing lots of work out in the vineyard. Uh, now it's uh, time for pruning the vines, getting ready for the next season. With fur-lined gloves? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a, I think getting a really cold weather onto those vines is good for them too. It's not so, uh, it shuts them down. Is that not part of the whole cycle? Yeah, for sure. In fact, that's a really important part, especially here in BC where we can get cold weather. So the vines um, 
uh, start to so slowly shut down in the late fall and early winter. And that actually has a protective nature to it so that they can survive the really cold temperatures like we're having now. If they actually don't do that and they start to wake up, then they become very vulnerable. But right now, they're fully dormant, so so we're safe. Okay. Let's talk about these vines. Uh, I'm, I had a bit of a pet peeve this week. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to put you on the spot or put you out, but I was trying to just figure out how many uh, how many acres or hectares of BC uh, vineyards are uh, farmed organic and certified organic, and I just I cannot find that information anywhere without going from winery to winery. Is that is that the way it is at the moment? Is there just no way to know? Uh, what the percentage is in in BC? Because I hear it's it's either going to be super high shortly, or it's already high, and maybe one of the highest in the world. Yeah, that's a great question. I I don't know the actual uh, percentage or number of acres. So, like you, I would love to know. I think the key to finding that out would be through the certifying bodies, because as you know, um, any vineyard or any farm that wants to be certified organic has to go through an official certifying uh, body that then audits them every year and makes sure that they're following all of the rules, and and we do that at Clos de Soleil. Um, And there are only a handful of those, so in theory they should have those numbers, but I would love to see... But they wouldn't wouldn't give me your information. They wouldn't give me your information, though, would they? I mean, that, that's what I'm thinking. Like, okay, they certify 10 wineries, but they're not going to say who, who they're certifying and how much is certified? Or I'm just trying to uh, sort it out not, as a consumer. But I would hope that know? they might give the aggregate amount that's certified that they audit, but I, yeah. but I don't know that for sure. Um, it would be great if okay. it was a claim to fame of, for our region. And, Mike, what's the difference well, uh, between organic versus non-organic wine? Uh, well... For uh, organic practices, whether we're talking about grapes or anything else, basically it means that you can't be using any uh, synthetic herbicides, pesticides, or fungicides. So we still use various um, sprays in our vineyard to help our vines develop and protect them from any disease or pest pressures, but they're all certified organic products, which effectively means that they're, in one way or another, a natural-type product. Oh, that's good to know. By the way, I, I, as I say, I've been doing a bit of work this month on this. I found this incredible uh, quote that I want to read to you because I just loved it. It's from Christian Miller, who's uh, uh, he's a proprietor of Full Glass Research, and he, he's analyzing industry trends, and he, they were talking about sustainability, what sustainable wine is, etc., organics. And he said, you know, we've been studying sustainability for more than a decade. The closer something is to being put in your mouth raw, the closer it must hew to being organic, to be per- perceived as sustainable. So he gives this example, which I think is just so great. Consumers will want the apple to be organic, but they may accept the floor cleaner as sustainable if it's produced in an energy-efficient way or its packaging is ecologically minded. Wine is a processed item in the middle ground between the extremes, alongside breakfast cereal or jam. So uh, I thought that was kind of fun to to hear him put it that way. Uh, You are certified organic. You've made that decision to certify your vineyards organic. Uh, Is it just more paperwork or is it even more effort? Um, It's more paperwork and it is more effort. I love that quote, by the way, to me. That's really thought-provoking. 
but to us, uh, that effort and that paperwork is absolutely worth it. We do it because it's the right choice for the environment. Uh, we do it because it's the right choice for our bodies, like that quote was talking about. Uh, but also, yeah. I really firmly believe that we make better wine because of it. The organic practices that we use in our vineyards uh, help maintain the life in the soil. And healthy soil, quality soil, is living soil. And it's because of that soil quality that we get healthier vines and vines that produce fruit that express the land better. And that's really what our winemaking is all about. We want our wines to tell the story of the land. And I don't think I can do that without organic practices. So why wouldn't everybody yeah. do that? Why wouldn't everybody do non have non-organic? Everybody should. <laughs> um, I, I think especially in BC, where our climate is fairly conducive to this, um, uh, I would love to see more and more wineries uh, and uh, growers moving in the direction of organic practices, and I think that is what we're seeing. Yeah. Is, it, is it more expensive, Mike? Uh, I, I, um, it, it can be sometimes. Uh, so you don't have as many um, tricks up your sleeve, let's say, as a conventional farmer that has a wide variety of different kinds of uh, sprays, like I was talking about herbicides and pesticides. And you need to do sometimes a bit more manual or mechanical labor. For example, weeding is something. Instead of spraying a herbicide, you somehow use a mechanical um, machine or, and or people to keep those weeds lower in that can potentially be a bit more expensive, but uh, you can't always look at everything I mean, in terms of dollars and cents. No. Um, I think both the environmental aspect and the quality aspect really justifies it. Yes. We're speaking with Mike Clark. He's the winemaker and manager director at Clos de Soleil. I mean, if you look at somebody that's producing ten or 20,000 bottles and you spread that price out, it's really very little in, in, the, in the grand scheme of the price of the wine uh, to do that. Uh, but I think even sustainable, we, we were talking to David Patterson uh, earlier about even sustainability now. You're going to be able to get certified sustainable by a third party in B.C., which I think is excellent. One, because it's just good to be moving in that direction. Two, it's good to be certified. But three, my my sense and, and what I've seen over the last 20 years in the business is those who go sustainable a lot of them end up going organic in the end because it just makes sense to carry on, you know, up the ladder to the next level. Uh, so whether they, they have lighter bottles or solar power or they're turning off their water, these are all important things. I mean, they're important for us in our own homes, but uh, I think even more important to set that standard in the industry. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I think the whole certified uh, aspect of it, too, is important because it's very hard to communicate to the end consumer exactly what you are doing or you're not doing unless you can be clear and say, I'm certified, I'm certified sustainable, yeah. or I'm certified organic. Uh, and it's a discipline. It, it uh, imposes a discipline upon you, and I think that's useful. I would like to see, I, I know this is kind of a pipe dream, but you, you let's, I don't know how many certifying bodies there are, but there are several around the world. But as a B.C wine consumer, and I mean a British Columbian, as a consumer of organic wines, and if I go into a liquor store or a wine shop and buy a bottle, even for BC, why couldn't we have a symbol that says the wine is organic, you know, just jumps out at you in the same way VQA says something about the origin, without 
referring to EcoCert or any of these different bodies? Because I think people, they, they're still confused about what's going on. Yes. Yeah, I don't think it's as clear as it could be or it should be. Uh, and I would love to see uh, yeah, a simplified method in British Columbia specifically, because uh, we should be proud of the organic the steps towards organic practices that so much of the industry is taking right now in BC. Yeah. And we should promote that here and, and everywhere. Well, Tony, you once had a great idea about um, having caps on bottles beef so that you can tell they're from a certain region. Wouldn't that be great to yep. have an organic cap on all the organic wines? Yeah, it would. Even if there was like, you know, some sort of yellow ring around the bottom, which meant this wine's from BC and it's certified organic. I mean, it's very powerful. So it is. anyway, we can dream about that. The the work in the vineyard uh, has to be done. Uh, speaking of that, let's talk about the work that's completed, uh, Michael, before we run out of time. What's what's going on at Clotus Lay? Are you releasing some new wines uh, now or soon? And, and uh, what's the schedule for uh, late winter, early spring? Yeah, we're going to have a bunch of new wines uh, rolling out over uh, the coming year. Uh, first um, to appear will be right at the start of April, and we're going to have a number of our new uh, 2020 vintage uh, whites and rosé. And I have to tell you that the 2020 vintage was a dream uh, for me. Almost everybody will tell you that the quality was excellent. A lot of people will tell you that quantity was down, but we didn't actually have that problem at Clotus Soleil. So it's just uh, perfect for us. I'm really excited about the quality of these wines. Um, we're going to have uh, our Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Fumé Blanc all uh, all released at the start of April, as well as a uh, rosé made from 100% Malbec. Mike, I can't believe they well, can get uh, any better than what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we try. <laughs> I say let's leave it on that. Uh, we are out of time, but that's so great to hear. So they'll be out in April, and folks, you can uh, check all that out at clodisoleil.ca online. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. and. Uh, for putting up with our uh, questions on organics, but we're interested, and I'm sure many of our listeners are, and it's always get good to get an update. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. That was Mike Clark. He's the winemaker and managing director at Clos de Soleil. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and uh, but before we do, we want to say hello to our extensive listener base all across British Columbia. From the mighty Radio NL in Canloops to AM uh, 1150 in Kelowna and all of those easy rock stations in the South Okanagan, the Kootenays, and the North. Thanks for listening to the show today. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine-growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save-On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. If you're a wine lover and you're ready for something new, try a little long-distance therapy. It's the wine club four out of four wine lovers would probably agree on. With 15% off therapy wine, discounted shipping, 20% off regular seasonal rates at the Inn at Therapy Vineyards, access to exclusive library wines, and more. Click therapyvineyards.com and choose your tier and frequency of delivery and sit back and wait as some of the Okanagan's finest is delivered direct to your door. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. 
In the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench, the Kalmana Family Estate Wine Shop is open for wine sales every Monday to Saturday from 11 to 3 with COVID-safe tastings Fridays and Saturdays. For those wishing to shop online, Kalmana is offering complimentary shipping for online orders of six bottles or more through the end of February. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. For tasting reservations and more, visit kalmana.ca. It's a new normal. My husband and I want to get away. Need something to look forward to. So we decided to book a weekend away at a European wellness resort right here in BC. Plan an escape without leaving the province at Sparkling Hill Resort. Overlooking the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Relax and focus on your health and wellness at this luxury resort. Check out the immersive wellness packages available and learn more about this undiscovered gem today at sparklinghill.com. Gizmondionwine.com, BC's destination for finding great wine at all price points. With their easy-to-use search engine of over 30,000-plus tasting notes, you can find the wines you want by price, points, and more. Bookmark Gizmondionwine.com for the new notes posted daily, each with a photo of the label. Get new ideas and find great buys with seasonal and weekly top 10 wine lists, original stories, and videos. If wine matters to you, join us at Gizmondionwine.com. Follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Gizmondionwine.com. Mondi on wine. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is uh, well known in the BC wine industry and uh, made quite a big move recently. Eric von Krosik. Uh, is the winemaker at Friend Estate Winery. We haven't talked to you in a while. Eric, uh, welcome to the show, and uh, congratulations on your new position at Friend. Well, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, it has been a while. And, Eric, I checked you out on Twitter. God, what a handsome kid you were. That <laughs> yeah. is an amazing photograph. What is it? Yeah, Does that mean he's not handsome anymore, Casey? Oh, well, you should see him at. How old were you there? Three or four? Yeah, I think I was three, yeah. <laughs> it's three great. was the last time I didn't have wrinkles in my face. <laughs> uh, well, Eric, uh, uh, not that many people know much about Friend Estate. Maybe people in the Kelowna area know it better because it's uh, sort of quietly open. But let's start there uh, with Marcus, the owner, and uh, tell us a little bit about Friend Estate and how you ended up there. Friend Estate, well... Um... Uh, well, there was a call I didn't take for about three times in a row from a 604 number about four years ago. And then when I did take it, <laughs> that the sounds... end of the line was, was Marcus Friend. <laughs> That's and, pretty uh, funny. So you don't take 604 calls, do you? Well, I didn't know. Like, I was pretty busy, and I didn't know the number. And I was like, oh, whatever. But uh, anyways, mm-hmm. he had, uh, we got together, and he had a big vision. He just bought um, uh, 300 acres uh, between Tower Ranch and Black Mountain Golf Course with amazing Rio Colonna. It was a certainly miserable scrub piece of land, but he had a very big vision for it. So that's, that's how we started talking. And he was he was very yeah, successful. And- he had a very successful business. He had a very successful business, yeah. And, it, and it, by all accounts, a very good payday. So, yes. Uh, but he's uh, <laughs> moved on and invested in, in other things and built other companies since. And uh and he was um, very keen to, uh, he has an agricultural background, uh, grew up in a 1,200-acre farm up in the north. And, uh, yeah, he really liked the land, and he wanted to get back into it. So that was 
the start of the conversation. Really. So he he's been quietly doing some things, like he, as you mentioned, he bought that big piece of property up in in uh, Kelowna, in North Kelowna. But he also bought uh, a, a waterfront property just uh, well for people who might know better, just below Mission Hill and and across from Quails Gate, which was was it the old uh, Bennett property or? Yeah, yeah, it is the old Bennett property. Yeah, it's, um, met, the, met the, the Bennetts here many times, and uh, they're really pleased with, you know, the development and, um, you know, what, what Marcus has turned uh, their their old homestead into. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite a property. It's on the lake. Uh, I think it's the only, basically, lake-fronting winery in, well, not just BC. I think there's probably maybe the only one in North America. I don't know. But uh, I know yeah. a few on the ocean. I think you're but... right. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful, beautiful property, and it's a I think it's a really nice gift because of course it's got a beach and it's got lots of lawn and you know so people people from all all walks, all stripes come here and you know there's a picnic area so the strollers are out and the dogs and the kids are out and you know, it's just a very comfortable sort of place to be. It's a my little cafe. It also has quite there. a grand yeah it has a grand entrance. I would say by uh, BC standards. Yeah, there's a beautiful tree alley that's been growing there for I guess 30 or 40 years. That was, uh, yeah, that has now become the LA. And yeah, it was just here. It was just, it was pretty amazing, amazing piece of property with a lot of history. And 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 in the, yeah, and in the meantime, has he not also been buying like single vineyards around the province as well? Or, <laughs> well, the rumors are true. Yeah. So it's, We've bought a few vineyards here and there. We also picked up a pretty large piece of it's going to be a vineyard in Vernon, uh, just above the Vernon Airport, right next to the Rise. There's a wow. Yeah, there's about an 860 acre block up there, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a 860 acres. That's unbelievable. That that means he has more than a thousand acres of land. Uh, yeah, he's got definitely more than a thousand acres of land. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, wow, Eric, wow, you've wow. been in the business a long time, and uh, have you seen as much technology in the vineyard as uh, Friend has? No, it's a, it was a very unique proposition at the time, and uh, it's, and everything that Marcus said he wanted to do, and 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 what his intentions were, to really, you know, come through. So, no, I've never seen this much technology, and and we're very, we've hired some really great people that. Uh, so it was quite a knowledgeable team, and it's trying to progress the technology. Um, initially, I thought we'd have autonomous tractors in the vineyard within two years, but now it's more like five years. Um, just, it's just uh, there's there's a lot to it, and it's just even even getting you know how you work with the satellites and how you work with the the machinery itself, and it, it is a fascinating, fascinating you know <laughs> different way of looking at just farming. You know. Yeah. And it's really layer, a layered look. You know, you take your soil analysis, and that tells you, you know, where it's deficient. And then you can take your infrared analysis, and that tells you, you know, how, how much vigor or how little vigor you have in the vineyard by the color of the leaves. And then you take – there's all these layers that sort of look down onto a plant ultimately and below a plant. And to give you the sort of almost like a, a doctor's note per plant, you know, yeah, your plant's doing well or it's not doing well or here's its problems. It's, a, it's an absolutely fascinating way to look at the vineyard. And what does technology mean in the cellar? <laughs> oh, well, I always say I don't know what I don't know. Um, so as we're exploring uh, many different avenues of technology, and, and I truly am a kid in a candy store, uh, so as <laughs> we explore all the different levels of technology, 
ultimately I thought initially that the automation would mean that we would have less people, but it's not turned out that way. Some from the ongoing evolution is that we've gone from sort of the macro to the micro. So, for example, I have 72 automi- automated tanks coming in so that do auto pump overs and all sorts of things and measure oxygen and all that sort of thing. But it actually meant that we actually need more people because we're doing such tiny batches. Like I have like a, a 3,000, a 4,000, a 6,000 liter tank that stack on each other. You know, so they take up less yeah. space and wow. heating, heating and cooling and all that sort of stuff. But it's actually... It's a lot more intense. Uh, Labor intensive. Yeah, it was. A, I was a little surprised, but it's just because we've not gone to you know one big tank with twelve spigots on it, and you know you hang whatever right. <laughs> whatever blend sign you want on them to, you know, really diving into you know why why what what comes from what vineyard and why is it doing what it's doing in that in that season. We're speaking with Eric von Krosick. He's the winemaker at Friend Estate Winery. Eric, uh, we're going to run out of time. What, what, how would you characterize Friend? What kind of wines will you make or types of wines or blends? What is there a, is that been set out in stone yet in the direction that you're heading? Well, for sure, we'll always have a Cab Sauv and a Pinot Noir. And then we do, uh, we have the big red and the big white, sort of blended with reds and blended whites. And I guess our theme is, and the Marcus has always said to me, basically wants to make 100-point wines, but it, we want some available at 20 bucks. That's his. That's his thing. Okay, I like that. I like that. (laughs) That's a big challenge. And what about bubbles? Of course. Well, we do. Just by chance, we might be making some bubbles. So we have Friend Brut, which is a a Riesling Chardonnay base, Uh, and it's really lovely. You should try it. I'm really pleased with the the first outcome. We started in that wine came out. I made the base wine in 2018, and I think it's drinking really well. Great. I'd like to try it yeah, because I, when COVID hit, I drank every bottle of bubble in my uh, cellar. <laughs> I think we can fix that. That sounds like a plea, Casey. Uh, yeah, I actually I actually enjoyed the first wines. They didn't overstretch themselves. Any of the wines that you put out, and I was impressed by, you know, how they just sort of they they came out and they're they're all looking quite good and they're not they're not over baked they're not over oak they're not over anything so it's it, i think it's a good solid start for friend estate uh you've been you've been under uh covid rules like everybody else but uh he went ahead and installed some bubbles speaking of bubbles people can dine outside there i think it's kind of cool right on the lake how is that working out are people taking you up on that yeah no they're it's fabulous the the bubbles are amazing and they do have a great view um 932 pieces that came from Latvia that got put together. Oh, uh, they're, they're really <laughs> stunning. Um, and, yeah, it's worked out really well because people can have, you know, high tea and they can have dinner and they have all sorts of things out there. And, uh, and it, you know, for people, the groups of six or less, I think it's, in a way, it's perfect because we only have a small cafe. We're not trying to compete with the Glory or the, you know, Mission Hill and the Quail's Gate do such a good job of you know, high-end dining. We've just chosen to go to the cafe level. But, yeah, I think people are really enjoying it. Uh, well, it's a lovely property. Uh, I walked along the lake there, and I thought, wow, this is pretty spectacular to be able to go in and buy some wine, get a bite to eat, and then uh, sit out on the lawn or walk along the lakefront. And now with these bubbles dying outside in the winter, all uh, pretty good ideas. you got your hands full there, Eric. Uh, the, there's construction. The winery is uh, under construction at the moment there. But uh, uh, do you expect to be open, uh, fully open by the summertime? Yeah, so the wine shop's fully open, and the, the first production building is, is fully functional. We're still installing uh, the rest of it. But, yeah, we'll be fully operational for uh, May, I would think.
Okay. Well, uh, we're going to stay in touch with you as these new vineyards roll out. There's plenty to talk about, especially up in the north uh, uh, the north end of Kelowna and Vernon. We would love to hear more about what's going to happen in Vernon, too, so we look forward to that. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. It's great to catch up with you and to hear a little bit about Friend Estate. That's friendwinery.com, folks. Lots of information on that site about uh, the wines you can purchase and uh, booking uh, a chance to eat in one of those bubbles. See you, Eric. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Casey. Thank you. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Hey, how about a digital shout-out today to uh, our weekly podcast, BC Food and Wine's easy to find on any of the major providers, including SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback and likes of our guest interviews, so keep the comments coming. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we're heading over to Victoria to the Bessel Liquor Store. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Blow away the February blues and take a break at Tinhorn Creek. The tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress-relieving escape. Join the Crush Club and get VIP treatment, including early access to new releases and more. To keep up to date with their winter wine tastings and special estate-only promotions, stay tuned to their Instagram feed. Plus, the Miradora restaurant will be reopening March 1st with a delicious new spring menu. Locals can start planning their visits now. For details and reservations, visit tinhorn.com. It's true. Something great did come out of 2020. Mount Boucherie Estate Winery invites you to join the Boucherie Wine Club and experience first access to their fabulous spring releases, including the previously sold-out Rosé, Riesling, and Mount Bubbles. And that's not all. With your new Wine Club membership, enjoy complimentary tastings, exclusive access to events, and the best seats in the house at the Modest Butcher Kitchen. For more details and to sign up online, visit mtboucherie.com. Tony Haller, owner of Poplar Grove Winery. The best wine experience I had was very recently. We were with a bunch of sommeliers from Calgary and Vancouver, and they asked to do a vertical of legacy. The oldest legacy we had, which we then called Reserve, was a 1998. We opened that bottle. It was delicious. And these sommeliers were stunned that a wine that old could still be fruit forward. Experience the glory. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest, uh, first time on the show for Ross Borland. He's the managing partner of Vessel Liquor Store in Victoria. If you don't know Vessel Liquor Store, you should. Uh, many would say it's the best liquor store uh, on the island. I would probably agree with that, having been in there a few times looking at just the lineup of wines. But uh, let's talk to Ross about that. Ross, uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Great to have you here. Let's start with the name Vessel. It, I always thought it was an interesting name from the beginning. Well, what is that all about? Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on, Anthony and Casey. Uh, yeah, it it 
it actually morphed from another name, uh, which I won't go into, but, um, you know, vessel, container of liquids, uh, a, a boat that, uh, or a vessel that you travel in to, uh, you know, experience new adventures, and also a, a vessel of knowledge. And uh, really that goes with uh, the three sort of pillars of our business plan, which was to offer interesting uh, products by educated staff at a fair price, uh, you know, exploration, education, fermentation is our, our three pillars. Oh, my God. I'm in shock. I'm in shock. Uh, <laughs> that is so great. I'm I've just, just, just so great to hear that from a, from a uh, what I would say, quote, liquor store, because so many people have these licenses and they just, I don't know, they just don't get it. And I just love what you're doing there. Uh, let's let's start with your staff. So obviously they have to buy in or be accredited. How, how do you choose people to and how do you find people or do they find you? Uh, yeah, in, in the beginning, I mean, my background was hospitality for, for 25 years. So it really, it, it was natural for me to, um, to you know, hire people uh, that have a, had a service-oriented background. We wanted, a, a, you know, a hospitality culture to the business. And, and of course, obviously people interested in wine, uh, as we are a bunch of wine geeks. Uh, so, you know, I figured there are other people like me in Victoria, and sure enough, there there were quite a few. So, uh, yeah, I mean, from Brent Muller, who's our general manager, uh, fantastic guy, down to, you know, all the staff in the store. Uh, you know, a really radical thought for a liquor store, as you're alluding to there, you know, uh, a knowledge and service. Mm-hmm. And Ross, how important is the interior and exterior of an independent wine shop? Oh, I, I think uh, you know ex- exterior. Obviously, uh, you want to bring people in and, and have great signage and, and a great name. Uh, the interior, uh, you know, that that was another radical departure uh, when we set up the store. Uh, as I mentioned, my my background is hospitality, uh, restaurants, uh, and you know that sort of thing. So I, I sort of set the store up uh, as you would a wine list, uh, basically uh, by varietals, not really buying into the, the whole, um, you know, people aren't coming here looking for a brand of wine. They're looking for style to go with what they're eating. So that was how the, how the store was set up. Uh, we arrange our wines from uh, lighter body to fuller body. We separate the reds and the whites, uh, you know, separate sparkling section, obviously, and then, wow. uh, you know, the countries in that as well. It sounds like a good wine so list. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, so all the Cabernets are together, and then they're listed from light to heavy is there, or from rich to richer sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's fantastic. Yeah, well, and, and it's so, separated so by, smart. by country as well. And, and when we're in the yeah. international section, it's separated, you know, down to, uh, to sub-regions. Uh, you're highly regulated, but your your uh, license, so you can sell wine and uh, spirits and beer. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and and you you have the same interest in the other subjects. I mean, you have some pretty cool spirits and 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 beer. I guess in Victoria, if you don't know your beer, you get thrown out off the island. Uh, <laughs> there seems to be such a great great love for it. Uh, how does your mix go with customers? When what, what happens at the end of the month? What are, what would the percentages be of your sales? Well, we're we are pretty heavily wine types. focused, but yeah, as you mentioned, we're 
we're pretty, uh, or the beer thing, it was uh, really a big surprise to me. Uh, I was not that into beer when we started the store, but it is huge. Um, and our sales mix, uh, we are a bit heavier on the wine side. I know even compared to other stores, it's about yeah. 40% wine sales and then 30% beer. That's, that's excellent. And yeah, 20% spirits, 10%, uh, mm. you know, that sort of uh, refreshment type beverage. Um, and, right. and for us, our craft beer is the majority of our beer sales. We don't sell quite as much of the core brands like your Budweiser's and Coors Lights and things like that. Yeah. You're part of the community, though. That was another big thing with when you set up the, the store that I understand that that's important to you. And, and how has that worked out for you to, to get connected to the community? Uh, absolutely. That was what we basically... Uh, don't do any advertising, you know, traditional advertising. Our goal was to get out there and and meet the people, talk to our customers. And fortunately, right around the time that we opened the store, they uh, were uh, finishing up the liquor review. And one of the things they allowed uh, LRSs to do was operate pop-up stores at wine and food events. So, uh, you know, no-brainer for me. Let's get out there and, and talk to the people. So uh, we're one of the few people that do that. Uh, understandably, why it's it's a hell of a lot of work, but uh, yeah. worth it, I think. In our, you know, from my point of view. And how has COVID mm-hmm. impacted your business? Like, are people? Is there just a certain amount of people now uh, allowed to go into the store? At yeah, one we time? we did have. Uh, as I like to call it, we have a cozy store. Um, so. You know our our aisles are they're not huge they're they're about six feet wide but we definitely have to limit the amount of people uh, that we allow in the store at any one time and it's very difficult to you know stop in the aisle and chat with people about the wines and stuff you're you're blocking other people's ways and you know who want to remain that you know social distance appropriate uh, distance part but uh, but it is working um, the other thing it's affected as well uh, Tony had mentioned about community and. Uh, one of the other things we did was uh, when we built the store, we have a, a purpose-built classroom because we wanted uh, to really get into the education side of things, um, you know, bring our customers to the store, educate them about the wines. But, you know, with COVID now, that's obviously uh, we don't do any in-person stuff, but it has opened up another opportunity with the Zoom classes. So we started doing some Zoom classes. We do uh, a free series. We have a, starting to do some paid uh, Zoom classes now, and they're they're very popular, and we're actually reaching out to more people now than we have in the past. Yeah, I noticed you have a Melbeck one coming up, Sangiovese. They look like fun to me, uh, <laughs> and you've got such a great educator. Uh, well, it, you know, Ross uh, Borland, we're talking to Ross Borland. He's the GM over at Vessel uh, Liquor, uh, uh, Vessel Wine Spirits and Ales, but but Ross, uh, it was it was great to catch up with you today and learn just a little bit about your store. People really uh, have to either go online and have a look uh, at what you're doing, or get into that store to really uh, feel the the impact that you're making over there. But uh, well, we wish you well, and we we want to stay in touch with you because we have a lot of listeners in Victoria, and uh, maybe we can find a way to work together to get more information out. Absolutely, I'd love to do that. Okay, Ross, thanks so much. Uh, we got to get out of here today. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening to our show, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Of course, we're on every uh, Thursday, and we're on across the province uh, 30 times a week now, over 18 different stations, so uh, plenty uh, of places to listen to us. Uh, but that's it for this week.
I'm going to say goodbye. Casey, uh, you're back. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you. Uh, great to have you back in the studio. And uh, Anissa, thanks so much for your work also in the studio. That's it for us today. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.